you're probably better off investing in a larger system and growing into it than you are having to go through multiple uh, implementations. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm LFH IQ. Sage 50 is the household name for companies that might be in the revenue range of up to $10 million. In fact, there was a time when Sage 50 literally meant that the software was designed for companies with up to 50 users. But some companies may use it even after they outgrow that mark. Sage 50 competes with QuickBooks Desktop and will have all the problems that QuickBooks Desktop is likely to have. These problems are likely to become severe with the interaction of offline and online channels. This is especially true when multiple users may be using the file from multiple locations. Is that the reason why Intuit decided to move away from its desktop licensing model? And how long would it take for Sage to do the same with their Sage 50 software? In today's episode, we invited a panel of industry experts for a live discussion on LinkedIn to conduct an independent review of Sage 50's capabilities. We covered many grounds, including their target market and data integrity issues with multiple users. Finally, we compare their capabilities with other competitors in this segment, such as QuickBooks, Desktop, and Zero. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And if you are joining for the first time, this is part of our industry series for which we meet every Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We review one vendor or the solution. And for today, we are going to be reviewing a solution called Sage 50. It's a very small solution. So we are going to have a lot of fun discussing that. Before we do that, we are going to start with everybody's intros. I am going to start with my intro. If you don't know me, I am Sam Gupta, principal at Elevate IQ. Elevate IQ is the independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm, and we review ERP systems for living. On that note, I am going to move to Dave for his intro. Thanks, Sam. Hi, everybody. My name is Dave Chrysler, and I own an operations consulting business working with leaders in manufacturing to help them with the planning people process and technology needed to achieve operational excellence. And I come to you with more than 20 years in manufacturing and uh, operations management and excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Sam. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Dave. Andy, can I ask you to introduce yourself next? Thank you so much, Sam. My name is Andy Pratico. I've been involved in ERP software for manufacturers all over North America for the last 41 years. Leave that. At one time, I used to have beautiful hair, just like Sam. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually I, I sell ERP software. However, I'm a little bit different than most ERP sales from the fact that I also teach people how to evaluate ERP software, and I have a published book on the topic. And and uh, thank you so much for inviting me. All right, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Andy. And if you're in the audience and joining for the first time, make sure you guys post your questions and comments. Our panelists are going to be reviewing them as we move move along in the show. And if you cannot get to them, then uh, we'll make sure that you receive your answers. On that note, I am going to start with the quick briefing of Sage 50 solution. But before we do that, we have reviewed a couple of solutions from Sage and Dave, Andy, I don't know if you guys recall which all we have done. My understanding is that we have done Sage 300, which is the XPAC solution. We have done the Sage vendor review. 
Uh, I believe we have done uh, Sage X-Ray. Uh, and uh, I think we have done Sage Intact as well. Correct. Uh, so this is probably the fifth one we are doing. So overall, from the Sage perspective, uh, you know, just a quick refresher, uh, the corporate strategy of Sage, uh, their selling model is to go after the accountants and accounting firms. That's how they like to go after. And their product design is going to be very much accustomed to what accountants and accounting firms uh, are going to need. So we are going to see flavors of those uh, in each of the solutions we have seen the, in the ones that we have already reviewed. And we are probably going to see that in the Sage 50 as well. Their acquisition strategy is very similar as well. If the solution is going to be very inclined towards either the accounting or payroll, uh, that's where Sage likes to play. In general, their industries where they are really strong are going to be the construction, not-for-profit, any of the industries that are going to be really heavy in financial, not so much in the supply chain and operations, that's where they like to play. Overall, from the Sage 50 perspective, this is the smallest solution that they have. Uh, from the competition perspective, this is going to be a, a great competition for QuickBook backstop. Uh, you know, in terms of the capabilities, it is not supposed to be comparable with any other bigger ERP solutions. For example, let's say if you compare this with SAP Business One, Microsoft GP, they are much bigger than what Sage 50 can do. In fact, uh, we are probably going to review this comment uh, on Wikipedia and other sources that we, that we have that Sage had numbered their products based on the number of employees in an organization so basically the whole intent of sage 50 was this was designed for companies up to 50 employees. and then sage 100 is up to 100 employees i don't know we don't really have a source for that but it does seem to be the mindset the way uh you know sage has operated Interesting. Sage's, yeah, never thought of it that way before uh, so andy i had no idea about that either to be honest okay i found a documentation especially about sage 50 that's how i came to know and which seemed to be in line where they are really strong. That's where Sage 50 is really positioned. In fact, their go-to-market strategy is very similar to QuickBooks backstop as well. At this point of time, it is not meant to be a cloud solution. It is only desktop. They are trying to sell it as, hey, you can do desktop and you can connect with cloud. That's what they are trying to sell. But obviously, there are going to be many issues with that strategy, and we are going to be touching on all of those as we review our slides. But overall, this is a very on-prem solution. Uh, it's not supposed to have the SQL database. It's just a file, uh, you know, the way QuickBooks desktop works. So let's not worry about data integrity because you are so small right now. So who cares for data integrity? <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's going to be the, the backing of Sage 50. But overall, it is designed for businesses that are going to be roughly up to, you know, five to $10 million in business that cannot really afford system. Uh, that's where Sage 50 is going to be handy. Uh, Dave, Andy, did I miss anything that we covered as part of the briefing? No, other than the fact that uh, obviously it has an incredibly strong following. There's a lot of companies that own it. You know, it's the old, the old story of the pyramid. You know, the smaller the product, the more companies it's going to target. And, and under 50, that probably makes sense. So it's got a very large following. Exactly. Dave, any comments? Okay. Um, so, yeah, so Andy, you are right. I mean, this is going to have similar following as your QuickBooks. I don't know which is going to be third solution in this market, uh, which is going to be comparable to your uh, QuickBooks and Sage. Zero is going to be another competitor, but Zero has very different uh, you know, business model overall. They seem to be slightly better in terms of customer service. Obviously, in this particular space, when you are selling the software literally for pennies you cannot ask for support uh you know and we have had concerns about support with quickbooks uh as well as with sage and the only reason why they cannot provide support is because uh you know obviously the licensing price has very little margin in belt so you know you are not going to have very sophisticated consultants there so yeah so you are probably going to see those problems so one of its, one of its strongest competitive advantages is the price uh, exactly. But we will review the price as well. And if you actually do Apple to Apple comparison in terms of what you get with the other ERP system, the price may not seem as friendly because the number of users that you are getting, uh, you know, it's hardly what two or five 
and they have limitations up to 40 users and there are significant issues overall with the concurrency when you are going to have multiple users so it's not really an erp erp system it's supposed to be an accounting system there is a distinction okay you might have a ton of bolt-on which might never work for you <laughs> you know but again the intent of this is not to be an erp system it's supposed to be an accounting system for very small one to five to ten people organization if you're very small just do your books and grow up to five ten million dollar and then move on to a real ERP system. That's the intent of this. Okay, so I'll read uh, some comments here. So it says Sage 50 Cloud is a set of accountancy and, and payroll products. By the way, account this is going to be this is going to have the payroll as well. Again, the smaller companies, especially if you are going to be in the construction not for profit space, then probably you want payroll to be integrated as part of the same solution. Uh, so that's why they are offering payroll, um, you know, with this as well. And that's probably going to be their differentiator with QuickBooks. Uh, you have QuickBooks payroll, you know, it's not as great in my mind. Uh, <laughs> Sage is probably going to have the similar limitations. Uh, but if you are small, uh, sure, you can live on that. Um, then uh, here they are saying Sage offer different products under uh, the name Sage 50. And by the way, they have many different product lines in different territories. So, for example, UK is going to have very different products then your us versus canada so obviously let's not talk about multi-entity or whatever uh, you know because even they are selling very different products because they are going to have very different accounting regulations if they try to uh, you know accommodate all of that as part of one product probably they would require slightly more sophisticated database and we both uh, we all know that it, it only has the file based database so that's why they are trying to reduce the scope of the product uh, you know, um, that, that that could be the reason why they are doing that. But for the most part, you know, you are going to have uh, many different versions in different countries. For example, if you are in the UK, you are going to be using different software uh, than US. Now, if you compare this with QuickBooks, QuickBooks, if you are on QuickBooks online, obviously the functionality is going to be extremely lean, okay? Because whatever you had in desktop, you are not going to find that in there. SaaS version at this point of time. Again, the factors why they don't have all of that functionality. Number one, it's very hard to pull off very thick functionality in a very small lean database. So they have technology limitations, the data integrity limitations. So again, uh, you know, I don't know if they are going to do all of that in SaaS. And by the way, uh, you know, uh, the way QuickBooks has pulled off their licensing model from on-prem. Uh, to online, there is a chance, and I don't know if Sage has already announced, but most likely they'll be doing that as well because this whole online to offline interaction, it's very troublesome, uh, you know, for Sage as well as for you as well because it's very hard to pull off that concurrency when you are going to have this offline database and then online database. It's very, very, very hard to pull off that architecture. Uh, and we are going to be noticing this across the reviews uh, as well as uh, in, in the screens, what kind of issues you can expect when you are going to be in that online offline interaction. It's not going to be. So in the UK, also, they have four different products, guys. Okay, so it's not just one product in, inside Sage 50. So they have, uh, you know, accounts, the payroll, the HR, and then P11. Uh, the Sage 50 Cloud accounts was the market-leading accounting solution for many years. So this is also, uh, Andy, I think it has been referred as, as many different names in different territories and different market segments. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure you are going to have a comment there that, you know, this used to be called simply accounting. Uh, you know, in some territories, in some territories, it's, it used to be called Peachtree. So it seems that they have acquired many different software in different and regions. This was also the Bedford system, which is uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of strings to their roots. It looks like. Eh? Yeah. So basically, what Sage has done, to be honest, with this product line is they have acquired many different smaller packages in many different ter territory, and they have created a branding called. Sage 50 Cloud, and they are trying to sell all of those under that umbrella because, you know, obviously it's going to be much easier. Um, otherwise, uh, companies are going to be confused. But underneath, you know, this is just marketing and branding, but you have to use a real software. So you are using four or 16 different products underneath. So make sure you understand that they are all going to have their own database. So obviously, that is probably not going to be as integrated as you. 
Hey, Sam, question for you. You know, as as you were talking and in, in kind of outlining the acquisition strategy and how they've kind of now rebranded under here, you know, one thing kind of comes to my mind uh, with the push to, you know, redevelop some of the on-prem to uh, the cloud. You think that that's also going to eliminate some of these kind of, you know, silos, if you will, because just from a straight up development standpoint, there's no way that they could continue to support all of these different types of versions and functionality uh, in the current silos that they have them in. So I got to imagine that there's some sort of consolidation. What do you, what do you think about? It? Yeah. So obviously, number one, it is going to be challenging for these companies to be able to maintain these versions. You need to be on the right sort of, you know, support cycle. Uh, you need to have right versions of the software that are talking to each other. But moreover, the whole online to offline interaction, when you look at things like OneDrive, Okay, one even though we might want to think that you know what OneDrive should work magically the way other software work, but you know when you are still going to have let's say if you are dealing with your on-prem word software and you are trying to collaborate on your online word software, if there is going to be a conflict, then you have to manually reconcile that. Okay, and that is only when you have two or three users that might be operating. Now, if you compare this with Google, uh, you know the way Google operates in terms of their software they don't necessarily have a desktop version. And there is a reason for that, okay? Once you introduce the desktop version, then you are talking to a foreign database from the technology standpoint. And that's where the real challenge is. But Microsoft, they are not able to completely pull off that uh, online model because we all know that it's going to be slightly challenging to move from your on-prem to desktop. But in the case of business applications, that is possible. We have seen in the case of QuickBooks, we have seen uh, this in the case of, other ERP applications as well, that cloud is okay in terms of the business applications. So obviously the future is, is going to be cloud or completely on-prem, just don't mix it. When you mix it, that's where the problem is going to be. So I don't know if I answered your question, Dave, but it's going to be challenging from the technology perspective. It's going to be challenging for the developers of the software. It's also going to be challenging for you who is using the software <laughs> because you have to reconcile the database each time you are going to have the concurrent interaction. Yeah, I, I, you, know, you did answer the question, and, and I think your last point is kind of, you know, the one to really put an exclamation point behind because, you know, it's really kind of gets at the heart of, of doing these reviews and doing it from an independent, you know, standpoint because it is such a challenge to be able to understand, uh, you know, is this is this particular solution I'm I'm looking at today is this going to be around in you know X number of years and and where where do I want to invest in my infrastructure and making sure that you understand the architecture behind it is just so much more that goes into these decisions than kind of that surface level that I think so many people are are accustomed to. Thank you. Exactly. All right, guys. So if you don't have any other comments, so here we have some more commentary. So I think they have referred the name piece accounting so it used to be called simply accounting pastry accounting bedford uh, as andy has already pointed out more comments here um so this is where it is saying canadian version i think andy uh, this is what you know so sage 50 was previously known as bedford accounting and later renamed to simply accounting so bedford to simply to sage 50 uh, you know, it's all marketing, but the software is still the same. It's interesting because when it was Bedford, it didn't really take, it was okay, but it didn't really take off until it became Simply. So, yeah, yeah. But obviously, the development has been done on the product as well. Uh, you know, so as they are changing the names, they are also uh, sort of trying to grow the software. So, here, uh, there have been a little acquisition here. So, Bedford software was acquired by Computer Associates in 1989. And there is a little reference with respect to ACPAC as well. So it says Simply Accounting became an independent business unit of Computer Associates in 1996 uh, and uh, subsequently incorporated as ACPAC International in 1998. ACPAC was acquired by Sage Group in 2004 for integration with its ERP products. Uh, that's pretty much it. So that's for the Canadian version. Um, I think we are good here. That's the overarching intent in different territories. So now let's review the pricing. The pricing is going to have very similar business model as QuickBooks. So we all know that QuickBooks Enterprise or QuickBooks Desktop is going to have that limit of 35 users. Sage has the limit of 40 users, but that itself is going to be a stretch in my mind. 
the way the architecture is, the way the product is designed. It's really designed for that one to, to five users, you know, then you are not going to have the concurrent operation, then you can use this. But if you are going to be having concurrent operation, then it's going to be a problem. Till you were on-prem, it wasn't as big an issue. The reason for that is because everybody was sort of sitting in the same data center, so you can still pull off the concurrency. But now when you are doing this online to offline interaction, it's way harder. And we are going to review some, you know, some of the challenges that they have highlighted in their documentation itself, how you should be approaching the concurrency and the data reconciliation. So here, overall, if you look at the price and the uh, of the enterprise version where you are going to get, you know, all of the features that you are going to require, let's say if you are decent sized distribution organization or maybe manufacturing organization, that's where you are going to require a lot of inventory and the operational centric functionality, the real ERP, ERP functionality. Even in the case of construction, you are probably going to require job costing, the project management functionality. So if you get all of that, then you are looking at roughly what, $66 per user per month, if all of those five can really use the software. So if you look at the amount of functionality that you are getting, it's really Apple to Apple. It's not supposed to be any any uh, more affordable. So I don't know why people think that this is cheaper. It's not cheaper. It might be cheaper overall in terms of the, the, the dollars, but then you are investing a lot more in the admin cost because, you know, again, your processes are not going to be integrated. You are going to be doing a lot more work in reconciling data across the system. So it's your choice whether you want to invest in the software or really in the admin effort. Yeah, but the free trial is a really good price. Yeah, but that is only for 30 days, Andy. So after that, you're well, you just keep renewing it. You just keep <laughs> renewing your free trial. Just change your email ID, right? Company yeah, names, yeah, domain I names. This, <laughs> I, I got this whole scam down tight. You better believe it. <laughs> oh, boy. You are so much fun. All right, guys. So if you don't have any other comments on pricing, let's move to some of the capabilities. So come some capabilities that I personally like. So it does have some serious Excel capabilities, okay? And I don't know if QuickBooks Desktop is going to have the similar Excel-centric capabilities. So overall, the way the layout is designed, in my mind, I think it's very friendly. And that's probably the reason why accountants really love it, because it is really designed for their workflow, the way they operate. So it's really easy interface. If you have been using Sage 50 and the only thing you care for is the accounting, then this is going to be a great software. The problem is going to be when you are using the integrated software that works for everybody in the company, that's where the, the real challenge always is going to be. If you are using a dedicated software for accounting, accounting is going to be happy. Dedicated software for marketing, marketing is going to be happy. Uh, dedicated software for procurement, procurement is going to be happy. But then it's going to be a nightmare for integration as well as for IT people. The owner is <laughs> not going to be happy. <laughs> Who's not going to be happy? The owner. Owner is not going to be happy because they are going to be signing a lot of checks. <laughs> yeah, and doing a lot of d duplications of everything. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So some more comments here. So they do have some very interesting features, uh, you know, that I have not seen in the other similar size system. For example, they have the practice data, the company data that they provide that you can go back and practice on that. If you're not sure about any specific functionality, so you are not really polluting your books as such. So I personally like this piece of functionality uh, that they are providing. Now, if you look at the overall technology architecture, my understanding is that it is very visual basic based, uh, you know, and I am trying to sort of uh, find the fragments based on the YouTube demos that they have done, uh, you know, and the way they are installing the software, it does seem like that they it is uh, primarily VB based, based on the screens. So yeah, so it's a very outdated code and technology. And that's probably the reason why they are not able to move to cloud completely. And the other reason is going to be because people might not be willing to move to cloud and they might not be willing to pay the subscription. So traditional on-prem model was that, you know, pay. And after that, you probably don't have to pay for the software because your hope is going to be that you can get that for lifetime. Uh, but I don't know who's going to be supporting you when you are going to be needing the help. <laughs> so, yeah, so so I think that's the, what uh, happened in, in on-prem. And now there is a little transition for companies to be able to move to the subscription-based business model and these aspects. Okay, so this is the screenshot of how their database is done. So it's very file-based database, as we have seen in the case of QuickBooks. If you are going to be saving in something like OneDrive, 
good luck with the re- reconciliation because the thinking process of one drive is going to be conflicting when you are going to be writing the data so call your it and they'll tell you you know how hard it could get so again this is not supposed to be a database it's supposed to be a file based system it's not supposed to have all the authorization if you are going to be any sort of public company i don't know why you would be running on security and i don't know why auditors would not be concerned if you are going to be running on security because you don't have a real uh, database so in my mind this is a real financial risk uh for a company if i am running a serious company i would be on slightly more reliable database and this is not meant to be uh the reliable database it's just a file it's almost like a spreadsheet it's just a bigger spreadsheet but as such it does not have any of the features that you are going to have uh in your database so again it is designed for very 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 small businesses uh not designed to run 10 15 20 million dollar on the software uh now let's look at the overall positioning uh, the kind of you know businesses they are targeting so they are saying sole trader and again you know even the sole trader could have very complex manufacturing distribution functionality that's why they are saying okay if you are simply starting maybe live on this but don't stay on this for very and then partnership limited company so that's how this is structured uh, overall from the positioning perspective they are also targeting some of the charity so if you are church and if you are doing bookkeeping this could be a great software but not if you are a serious business um, <laughs> um so those are the kind of you know businesses that this software targets now this is where the real comments that i got related to the concurrency so uh, you know uh they are talking about the rda arrangement here and which is basically they are going to claim from the sales perspective that you know what i am giving you an option online offline no problem your uh, you know if you lose your connection no problem whatsoever that's the sales pitch but when you are going to be using the software if you are going to be uh, losing the connection then what is going to happen is the local uh, instance is going to create its own database the other users are going to have their own database and then sage is going to say good luck with the reconciliation because oh i don't know how to, <laughs> how to reconcile that okay so my uh, request to you all is going to be don't attempt that okay try to always stay connected and stop the transaction because when you are going to be reconciling you are going to be investing a lot in the consulting money because they have to figure out okay what what happened and nobody really knows when you are going to be losing that connection you know how many transactions were entered how many transactions uh, you know were left out sure you can figure this out because accounting is very sound overall from the principal perspective so if you are able to reconcile your books uh, you know obviously you need to enter all of your transactions but as such from the technology perspective it's it's really weak solution overall so here they are saying you know allows you to disconnect your company from the service as a last resort and that's their recommendation as well that just don't lose any connection you know so whether you are using desktop or cloud and the offline pitch that they have it's not really meaningful to be honest because you never want to lose that connection otherwise you are going to get into real data integrity issues so well, here they are that sentence finishes with as a last resort and that's what they are going to recommend because they cannot afford to have legal liability of recommending something you know that is going to put any company in trouble right so so that's why i mean they are also saying don't use that you have an option don't use uh now they are saying while the disconnect option may appear to be good uh, a good choice because it allows you to continue entering data you should first weigh the risks to the integrity of the shared data in a multi multiple user situation so when multiple users are going to be accessing this software from multiple locations good luck with that okay again if you are using in the data center setting uh and inside your data center and nobody is really on the cloud you may be okay but when you are going to be working remotely everybody is sort of going to be on really fragile internet home based internet that are not going to be very reliable uh, you can run into real data integrity with the software yeah to me the worst part about this is you know you know just from you being in situations you know that users are going to get this message click right through it to be able to continue doing what they need to do with without even a second glance or a second thought and this could really really impact your your financials exactly exactly it's uh, dave um some more commentary related to the whole offline functionality 
So it's saying disconnecting from RDA potential coin sequences before you disconnect. Consider the effect on the shared data. Are you disconnecting from a synchronized set of data created by multiple users? And again, if you are a single user, you might not have as much of a problem. And that's why I said, you know what? If you are a one-person company, no problem. Five-person company, one person doing accounting, one person using Sage 50, no problem. Okay. But if you are going to be, and again, this is only used for account. Other five people are going to be utilizing their own software. Obviously, everything is going to be siloed. So as long as you are in that situation, oh, it's okay. But when you are going to have multiple people touching your ERP system, when you are going to get into the real operational workflow, real inventory, okay, this software is not for you. It's targeted at small, small companies. Yeah. Uh, so here they are very clearly saying, are you disconnecting from a synchronized set of data created by multiple users? If so, disconnecting creates a second version of the company. Pay attention to it. It's literally a second version of the company. So you are going to have two companies. They all are going to have their own transactions. And then it is going to be your job to reconcile these two companies. To manually reconcile. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So after that, they are saying Sage 50 cannot reconcile the data differences between the cloud version and your updated local copy. The problem is if you are going to be using only the cloud version of this, no problem. So either go complete cloud, either go complete on-prem. Don't mix it, guys. That's where the real challenge is. And this is where they are saying, if you have the local copy, it's much harder to be able to reconcile that. And that's why QuickBooks Online is going to be far easier. Sage 50 Online is going to be far easier in the multi-user situation. When you are going to be using your desktop copy, good luck with the reconciliation. It's not designed for multi-user. Okay, there is no comprehensive list of all the changes to the company. And by the way, they are not going to tell you, okay, these are 20 different changes that you need to reconcile. There is no way for them to know. So go and figure. I'll create a second version. Of, it's almost like, you know, when you are reconciling your Word document, when you have a conflict in your Word OneDrive, the only thing Microsoft can do is it is going to create a second version of the document. Here is version one. Here is version two. Now, if you have 200 pages in that, go and figure out your changes and reconcile <laughs> yourself. That's how the process is going to be, even in this case. So some data will need to be manually rekeyed. Obviously, everything needs to be rekeyed uh, depending upon where you lost. Uh, the, the connection. But again, in my mind, just don't use the, uh, you know, this is not really safe for the financial data integrity uh, in my mind. Okay, some more commentary here in a multi-user environment where one or more users disconnects their local copy of the shared company from the cloud, consider these suggestions to minimize confusion. Okay, communicate with your group and share the date and time of the disconnect. So this is going to be your old fashioned way the way we operated <laughs> when you were updating the documentation, let's say if you are, uh, you know, manipulating a, not manip manipulating is probably not the right word. If you are modifying a contract, uh, you know, or the approval, you know, you are going to make your changes and you are going to yell at somebody that, okay, now you are supposed to be making the changes. So this is how the process, again, look at the amount of churn that you are going to have in the process doing this. So again, this is not really designed for multi-user scenario. And by the way, this is, not just the problem with Sage 50. It is going to be the problem with most file-based software. And I'm being very clear here. When I say file-based, you are talking about QuickBooks Desktop. You are talking about Sage 50. So any of the software that are going to be file-based and they are going to do that desktop to your online interaction, you are going to be running into a lot of challenges. Now, ask everyone to keep track of their changes in case they have to re-enter any data. Consider making a reconnection plan. <laughs> they are talking a plan. <laughs> you have to plan when your internet is going to be down so that you, <laughs> you can take appropriate steps. Okay, uh, hopefully one of these days I'll know when my internet is going. Uh, okay, so that's pretty much it on this one. Now, overall from the business perspective, if you look at the their data, the way their demo data is structured, the kind of businesses they are targeting. So if you are a very small accounting agency, advertising agency, architectural company, auction gallery, auto repair shop, automobile you know, dealership, bakery shop, beauty salon, those are the kind of companies. And again, these are very small operations in general. They are going to be one to $5 million and probably five, even five is probably going to be a stretch. But five is a you know decent benchmark there. You know, you can probably run uh, up to five to 10, but not more than that. Um, here, 
Now, they have some very interesting piece of functionality, even in this version, even in the file-based ERP system. For example, I don't believe QuickBooks backstop is going to have all of this. So, for example, they have the item class. And item class, when you look at these layers of functionality on top of your product, item, customer, vendor, that's where the real complexity is in the data layering. And that's where you require far deeper uh, database capabilities, far uh, you know, higher computing power, uh, but seems like they are at least doing the item class. So the advantage of this is going to be you are not going to be investing as much time overall in the maintenance of data when you are going to be creating new item or when you are maintaining, going to be maintaining new item. So here they are providing you the item class functionality, but it's very lean overall. If you look at the amount of functionality that is going to be bundled as part of your item class, it's going to be very lean. So here, obviously, uh, you know, when you are going to be looking at the vendor reference, and uh, I think that is going to be on the next, uh, the correlation of vendor is not going to be there, uh, even if it is going to be there. So here they are saying, allow duplicate values in the part number field when the items preferred vendors are same. Now, if you are going to have duplicate part numbers for the same preferred vendor, again, that's really bad inventory data in my mind. Uh, you know, so if you are serious in your inventory operation, I don't know if this is the right software, even though you are going to have item class uh, in the part number and UPC functionality. Dave, you have a comment there? Well, I could, I guess it's just a confusion uh, <laughs> because if anything, I could maybe understand if, if there was, you know, a different uh, preferred vendor, right? Two vendors, same item number, maybe. That'd be a, a, a maybe, but I mean, the way it's written is certainly not something I would expect and probably definitely something you don't want to have implemented in the system. Yeah, so honestly speaking, I mean, they have provided sort of the placeholder and we have seen this in a lot of different ERP systems and sometimes they do that just to sort of satisfy the checklist so that companies can really buy the software. But overall, if you look at that layered hierarchy that you are going to find when you are going to compare the item class functionality of this software with Acumatica, with NetSuite, then they are going to be far uh, richer, far more layered in their capabilities and then when you are going to have these scenarios when you are going to have multiple preferred vendors under one SKU, then you don't have to create a separate item <laughs> just to have a preferred vendor uh, it would not make a lot of sense but again by the way the these software the file-based software they are going to have very loose data integrity as well so it will allow you to create as many SKUs as you like but then you are going to have really bad data overall and obviously when you are going to have bad data you are going to get bad insights uh, from the data as well. So that's another point to consider. Okay, so it is going to have dropshipping functionality. You can probably do light distribution on the software. Definitely not manufacturing, uh, you know. So yes, from the feature set perspective, it's probably going to allow the auto creation of purchase order. Uh, you know, it can do all of that. But again, the overall functionality is going to be lean. Uh, and limiting, and obviously you are going to have a lot of data uh, on the software. Um, now, if you look at the item class functionality, so this is the item class functionality. Overall, uh, you know, my assumption always is when you are looking at these smaller software, they are not going to have those inventory layers, but this one does seem to have at least the FIFO and the specific costing. But if you look at the way it is done, it is really at the item class level. So typically you are going to get three-layered hierarchy even in the smallest or the smallest ERP system, for example, let's say if you go to Acumatica uh, or NetSuite, they are going to have the FIFO at the SKU level, then you are going to have at the item class level, and then probably you are going to have at the parameter level as well, uh, you know, overall at the company level. So that, and sometimes it could be four or five hierarchies depending upon how complex the system is. But here, the only option you have is really at the item class level, uh, and, you know, technically you might be okay because most of the time companies are going to have just one uh, inventory method for the inventory. But when you look at the, the the kind of, you know, the costing scenarios that you need to explore, you are going to run out of, uh, you know, options when you are going to be used. Would you go to the, go to the previous screen, please, uh, yeah. Sam? Yeah. I found it interesting at the, at the very top where it says quantity available and there's two checkboxes. Include purchase orders when calculating quantity. Include work. Why, like, why wouldn't you every time? 
Why would you uh, give that off? Why, why would that be an option? Loot purchase order when eating quantity. So, Andy, my understanding of that is going to be how you are going to treat your purchase order. So, most of the companies, what they do is when you are going to be cal- computing your on-hand inventory, sometimes they are going to be computing based on the quantity that might be available on the purchase order, but technically you have not received that. Sometimes there are going to be exceptions. The vendors are going to say, you know what, I cannot really send this. So now you cancel the purchase order. So do you commit for the inventory based on the purchase order? Do you commit based on the receipt? Or do you commit when you have actually received the inventory in the inventory? So there are going to be many different layers. So in their case, the only thing they can do is they are simply computing based on your purchase order. But technically, if you look at the other companies, they are probably going to be including the quantity that is going to be on the receipt. Because at that time, you sort of know that, you know, at least the product has been received. Sometimes it could be defective. So you are still going to get issues. So in this particular case, the only option that they have is going to be, okay, if you have anything sitting on the purchase order, I'm going to give you an option whether you want to include that as the on-hand inventory and whether you are going to be committing that to your customer or not. And the same thing goes for work tickets as well. Work tickets is your production order. When you are releasing your work ticket, now as soon as you release, <laughs> do you confirm that the the, uh, the product is already produced? <laughs> you know, if you are producing an item that takes 12 months to, to produce, <laughs> sometimes that may never get produced, right? So again, depending upon the business, these options are going to be there. But typically in the bigger ERP system, you are going to have many different options in terms of when you are going to be considering, okay, now I have the inventory and I am going to be reflecting in my inventory when I am either committing to the customer or I am trying to sort of, uh, you know, computing my inventory. I don't know if I'm making sense, Andy. I'm not sure if you are either, either, Sam, but that's okay. Okay. Dave, do you want to add anything? Do you uh, understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I, I, I kind of followed along there, uh, but I don't really have, have anything to add to it. So, Andy, do you have any follow-up questions there? Uh, I know you are concerned, but... Well, no, I, I, you know, maybe this is due with negative inventory? No, no. Well, so this is not really negative inventory. This is how your on-hand inventory is going to be computed. How right. your inventory is going to be computed for your beneficiary. Right, yeah, I yeah. understand. Yeah, I get it. But I, I just can't imagine why they wouldn't want to include supply and demand versus just quantity on hand. Okay, we can probably take that question offline and then we can discuss, uh, Andy. Sure. Uh, yeah, all right. So here, from the pricing perspective as well, uh, you know, you have very limited number of options in my mind. When you are going to be running a serious distribution operation, then you probably require a lot of different layers, how you are going to be costing your product and how you are going to be, uh, you know, marking your product up to be able to sell. So here, the options are going to be very limiting. The only thing you have is the level and then you have some sort of, you know, calculation. But typically in the pricing algorithm, you are going to have many different layers in terms of, you know, uh, accommodating different pricing scenario. For example, let's say if you're doing uh, buy one, get one free, or you are combining two different SKU, 150% off. Uh, you know, all of those scenarios are going to be very difficult to accommodate. Okay, so we have some reviews that we can uh, discuss. So now in this particular case, I mean, we have just one employee. And in this particular case, you have just the accounting uh, is the industry. So this is the right fit uh, in my mind. And that's why the review is coming from that company. They have been using this for more than two years. And my assumption is going to be that this particular user is going to be super happy because they have the right product. Okay. So let's read the review, what the review is saying. But it's a so, little expensive, so they didn't go for the free version, apparently. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, <laughs> these companies are very small, Andy, right? So they are <laughs> they, they want the free version. Basically. I know, I know, I know. I'm just goofing around. <laughs> yeah. So here they are saying, I use the Canadian version of uh, the version, okay, except for sales tax and uh, some more commentary there. Uh, CH50 is an u- easy-to-use piece of software. Uh, some more commentary here. I found Sage 50 to be glitchy in the past. I have spent too many hours on hold on a call with their tech support. I use the payroll included version of Sage 50. I also have a support package in all that's not competitively priced. So the user is finding this not to be competitively priced. You have no idea how how expensive the other ERP software is going to be. In my mind, I think they are doing wonderful. 
And if you are not getting support for from them, you get what you pay for. So this is not a bad support for the price that you are paying in my mind. And this is the issue that you are going to get. Irrespective of whether you are going for QuickBooks or Sage 50, you are probably going to run into those challenges. I believe Zero is the only platform that I have personally seen, which seems to have slightly better support, uh, you know, overall. Um, so maybe, but I don't know if you're going to get everything that you're going to get uh, as part of Sage 50. Um, so here they are saying QuickBooks is, is a better... Zero about the same price as these systems? About the roughly the same. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Does it have, but is it, is it broader, though? Does it have more depth? Yeah, we are going to be reviewing that, Andy, very soon. So you will you will come to know. <laughs> um, yeah. So here, you know, these guys are finding QuickBooks to be better value. In my mind, you know, they both are fairly similar. Uh, you know, in general, Sage is not going to have as good support, uh, you know, because they target this through their channel. So obviously, they are paying for their distributors. The QuickBooks has slightly direct model, so they are going to have slightly better support. Uh, so that could be the difference, uh, you know, in why the user is finding QuickBooks to be better. So here, uh, you know, this is another review coming from 2020. Uh, you know, this is the computer hardware company, one to 10 employees. In my mind, there's still a very sweet spot. So here they are saying we initially picked Sage uh, to help us track inventory level costs back in 2011. As a manufacturer, it's necessary to match revenue and expenses. Using the manufacturing addition is the way to go. Uh, it's used across the whole organization. Now, the complaints that they have is the pros is it's a legacy system. And then negative is bad customer experience, buggy software. It's completely crashed six times in six months. Can you guys believe this? Okay. <laughs> we finally learned that it was because we were trying to use Dropbox. And I told you guys this, okay? So when you are going to be saving this file, so it's not really fault of Sage. It's not really the fault of Dropbox. It's the online, offline interaction because this is not a database, okay? So again, you get what you pay for. So in this particular case, this is just a fancy spreadsheet that you are getting. So, you know, you are going to have all of those challenges. That was fine in the old Sage legacy system we had. Uh, but when we upgraded to 2020, it became highly unstable. Okay, obviously you don't have data integrity, so it's going to feel as if it's very unstable. We learned that it was unstable because Sage wants customers to use their cloud service and pay for what we have done for free for years, use Dropbox to save your backups. So that's the recommendation the user is having. So again, I want to call out the user in this particular case because it's not really Sage's problem, it's the technology problem. It's that online, offline interaction. That is the problem here. Using Dropbox is not the solution. You are still going to get <laughs> into data integrity issues. Uh, to be honest, the better solution here could be go for the online version. If you can live on the online version, then you are probably not going to get as many issues because CH or QuickBooks, they don't have to maintain your local file. The problem is with the local file. The problem is not really with Sage or QuickBooks. The problem is with the desktop version of the software. Nobody is trying to get money from you. Even if you want to use it for free, they are trying to help you. Um, okay, we will cover one more review here. So this is the review coming from 11 to 50 employees. The industry is machinery. Again, very small company. If they are using this for accounting, it's probably going to be okay. But let's see uh, you know, what the user has to say. So the user is saying generally positive. Very easy to use. Yes, if you are CFO and we don't have the title of the person who is using the software. So if you are accountant, bookkeeper, uh, you know, from the finance department, you are going to find it easier to use because you don't have to worry about operational workflow and operational data integrity, right? If the software is going to allow you to do whatever you want. You can delete any GL uh, and nobody's not going to know about it, right? So obviously it's going to be, feel very easy. To use. I have been using it for about eight months and have found it uh, easy to navigate. Pros, I like that you can delete journal entries, okay, if you post it. <laughs> Amazing, what capabilities, okay, in a software, this is what you want, right? Okay, uh, or need to make an adjustment. Other software would require you to do a separate journal entry to reverse the original entry. This software allows you to delete 
as if it never happened. By the way, guys, we don't know this. That's not cool from the audit perspective. Okay, you can do whatever you want until you are five to ten million dollars because nobody cares. Okay, but from the accounting perspective, from the regulation perspective, this is not the right thing to do. So just you know, try to make a habit of not deleting the entry and go through the right accounting process. The more uh, you are going through the accounting process, the, the the better your books are going to be because you'll be able to explain what exactly happened. The only reason why the software, the bigger software, asks you to maintain uh, the the log of whatever happened in the GL is to make sure that you know they are not losing that. Okay, so they have the traceability. In this particular case, they are not going to have any traceability. So obviously, it's going to appear clean, but that's not cool. Uh, you know, from the regulation perspective. Um, now, I wish there was a faster way to drill into invoices, payments that are tried, tied together. But again, you are looking at a very small file. Okay, <laughs> you are killing that file with the amount of workload that you are putting. So obviously, don't expect the end-to-end traceability because it's not really designed for that. Even if they tried to do that, you are not going to have data integrity to be able to hack the reliable data from the system. So again, you know, if you're a very small operation, just manage somehow and then move to a real uh, ERP system that is going to have decent database. Here they are. This is another reviewer, 11 to 50 employees, mining and metals. Uh, and again, mining and metals, they don't seem to have as complex operation in general as your manufacturer, distributor. They are going to have very involved finance and accounting. So this is probably slightly better fit uh, for this operation. They are going to have uh, very complex uh, you know, asset management workflow uh, in the mining business. Uh, but, you know, uh, in the mining business, you can probably uh, be on the software for roughly $20, $30 million just because you don't have as complex workflow. So this seems to be still a fit uh, for this person. So here they are saying good for relatively simple manufacturing business, good for the first 5 to $10 million of a manufacturing business life, which is right as well. And that's what I am trying to mention here but not excellent to go beyond that. Do yourself a favor and scale your software up as your business grows. At a certain point, you outgrow it. If you are relatively simple manufacturing business with only a couple product lines and a couple manufacturing lines, this works for you. I would doubt that, to be honest, okay? If you are a manufacturing business, if you are going to be less than $5 million in revenue and the only thing you are doing is bookkeeping, you are probably going to be okay. Uh, you know, you are managing most of your operational workflow on a spreadsheet or just manually, you might be okay. But even at that stage, you probably would require slightly more mature uh, manufacturing software. And there are better options out there in this price range. That is going to be your Odoo's of the world, ERP Next, um, Job Boss, any of the e uh, products in the ECI's workflow or portfolio could be a great fit as well. Um, so I am going to pause there for any commentary and questions from you guys. Dave? Well, it was, um, you know, I was curious to sit through this one, Sam, because, um, you know, I've got some clients that are on uh, QuickBooks desktop. And so it was interesting to, to kind of compare and contrast uh, some of the functionality, um, you know, and I, I think like, uh, like a lot of these solutions, you're going to have some, uh, you know, as we saw in the reviews, you're going to have some, uh, some interesting comments when it comes to data integrity and, and auditability, but it's not something that, that typically these users are used to, you know, having to deal with, uh, from a, a you know, a process standpoint. So, um, you know, for the right size company that that's ball kind of getting rolling, just starting to hit the growth, uh, you know, kind of that first set of growth, um, you know, I think it, it makes sense uh, to take a look at this as a solution. Yeah. And like everything else that we've looked at, it, it comes down to understanding your processes, your specific processes and what type of functionality you really need to help uh, you know, to help manage your business. Uh, and if you need some heavy functionality, uh, especially when it comes to, you know, inventory management and, and you know, job costing, those types of things, if your business requires something simple, this is probably going to be a fit. If it requires any additional or any complexity whatsoever, you're probably better off investing in a larger system and growing into it uh, then you are having to go through multiple uh, implementations. Well, that's what I was going to mention myself is that, you know, you know, you know, it mentions 
one of the, one of the reviews mentions it's good for five to ten million in revenue, uh, and manufacturers that are incredibly simple. I'm assuming was what they meant. Um, you know, it looks like it's a a very basic, simple accounting system. I mean, the one the one review was one employee, was one person. You know, it, 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 if it's if you want a, a, a it's probably solid accounting system. I'm sure that those bugs were, like you said, an exception with that guy using Dropbox. But it's probably a good solid accounting system. Uh, but to Dave's comment, uh, if you experience any kind of growth at all. I think you're going to be migrating to something. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think it's going to be a challenge for, you know, Sage for QuickBooks for some of these kind of, you know, legacy, if you will, uh, solutions that have that user base that is very accustomed to, uh, you know, the traditional model, right? Like not, not the, not the, the SaaS model and the recurring revenue model. I think there's going to be from a, a branding and marketing perspective, I think there's going to be some pushback. Uh, and so I, I think it'll be interesting to see how they, you know, kind of tackle uh, that that part of this, uh, you know, challenge for them, because, um, you know, to, to that user's point. Right. People get very uh, in the habit of things. And if they don't plan to grow beyond that one to five million dollar range, let's say, and this is a perfectly acceptable solution for them, um, I, I think there could be some challenges in, and, you know, potentially a newcomer maybe, uh, you know, in the marketplace uh, that that is on that recurring revenue model to, to capture market share because they're they're, you know, kind of doing it in a completely different way versus, you know, trying to get people to change. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Andy, any more comments? No, I think uh, I think we've uh, I've, I've uh, giving all my perspective. Okay, uh, we'll quickly go over the comments that we have from the audience, and then if we have any oh, final comments, then okay. we can uh, review those, and then we can uh, finally wrap it up. So here we have one comment from Anders. Anders is making joke about um, Sage 50 England, Sage 50 Scotland, Sage 50 Wales. Uh, exactly. Yeah. But uh, one thing to note, Anders, you know, everything is Sage 50. Okay. It's not supposed to be Sage 40. <laughs> so it has very. I don't know. Maybe right. they call it Sage 40 in <laughs> Scotland. <laughs> but I wonder what troubles the data issues of the EU, EU after Brexit. Ha, huh. uh, I'm I can almost guarantee Enders, I think they are going to be really good overall from the accounting and regulation perspective. That's what Sage is really good at. So you don't have to worry about at least that part. Um, you know, their software is going to be updated for the regulation in the specific uh, you know country and county, but obviously you need to check with Sage as well as their partners uh before you can confirm if you are going to have any issues from the regulation. Um some more commentary here. It says uh, it seems to me you would have to be both a very technical user and very diligent about uh, when you are or are not connected mm. for this to work, which does not seem like the target market for this product. Exactly. That's an understatement. And, yeah. And this is where I think the accountants are going to be charging a lot because they have to do the reconciliation. So you are looking at a very large dollar and again, you are trying to save that money. So companies, are I'm, I can almost guarantee that they are investing a lot of money in that reconciliation. So just don't, uh, you know, attempt that option. Online, offline interaction is not cool. Uh, some more comment here. I have zero at $34 per month. That's very aligned in my mind with QuickBooks or uh, uh, with your um, Sage 50 as well. So that's the same target market. Product perspective, have one more comment. Uh, remains an excellent choice if it matches the structure yeah, of the company. exactly. Single user startup. That's where, yeah, I agree. All right, guys. So that's a wrap. Any other final comments, Dave, Andy? Thanks for all the feedback, Anders. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys. So that's a wrap. If you joined for the first time, this was part of our industry series for which we meet every Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern and we review one vendor or the solution. Uh, so make sure you guys are going to be here next week. We are going to come back with another solution. Uh, on that note, thanks, everyone, for your time and insight tonight. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day, everybody. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Dave Chrysler, head over to the Chrysler.club. It's T-H-E-C-R-Y-S-L-E-R dot C-L-U-B. If you want to learn more about Andy Pratico, head over to ESOFT.com. It's E-S-S-O-F-T dot com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including 
the interview with Greg Kautz, who shares his insights into the nuances of lease accounting and why they are harder to handle with ERP systems. Also, the interview with Brian G. Shannon, who shares his insights into the importance of centralizing shared services for large global rollouts. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.